Sifter for the ear. News, interviews, reviews, cinema, TV, streaming. Action. Hi, y'all. This is Jerry Williams, a.k.a. TV Jerry. This is the moment that we've all been waiting for. This is the opportunity to share my story. To be here was a huge surprise. We want to fall in love with your recipes. I am ready. I'm excited. I'm going to do it. I'm so excited to be competing for one of my recipes to become a tradition for other people. This is a dish that my dad taught me. It's the flavors of home. That's part of a teaser for The Great American Recipe, a new eight-part cooking competition that launched on PBS in June. It was produced right here in Ruther Glen, Virginia, with our local public broadcast station, VPM, as the production partner. On today's show, I'll chat with Steve Humble, Chief Content Officer at VPM, about mounting and shooting the show. Sifter, review of the week. The Gray Man, now in theaters and launching on Netflix on the 22nd. Ryan Gosling plays one of those covert CIA agents with a license to kill and more. A secret is uncovered about corruption in the top brass, led by Regé Jean Page, going villainous in his first role since Bridgerton. So, another super killer is sent to quash the story. Chris Evans, also relishing being offhandedly mean. With the exotic and interesting locations and constant chases, this often feels like a Bond clone. Even the music echoes 007. Add in the Russo brothers, directors of several major marvels, and you have a grand-scale action adventure. Like many of their previous projects, the fights are often a blur, so it's hard to appreciate them. Meanwhile, the vehicle pursuits go over the top, and the stars only ever seem mildly hurt, despite numerous stabs. Overall, this is a pretty standard spy versus spy flick, but the strong cast and big-budget scope keep it entertaining. I gave it three and a half out of five stars. So, Steve Humboldt, the most important first question is, what is your favorite food? Oh, wow. My favorite food. Well, you know, I've been asked that question before. Like, if you only had one dinner, what would it be? That would really be hard for me to pick. You know what? I probably would have to go back to my roots. I grew up in Iowa in the Midwest. I probably would say meatloaf. There you go. Speaking of roots, we'll get to that in a second, but I just have to tell you mine is a brownie. My husband just made these just for today. Oh, nice. With vanilla buttercream icing on it. I got to have one taste because they are so good. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. So you go the sweet route. So I, I would rather have a second helping of meatloaf as opposed to a brownie. I, I would forego dessert to have another helping of the main dish, typically. I'm a vegetarian, so that, oh, well, that you tells go. you where that is. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so tell me, first of all, what is your background before you got to VPM? What were you up to? I've been at VPM. I just had my three-year anniversary. Congratulations. Thank you. So I was at the Martin Agency for about 20 years. And um, before that, at a couple different advertising agencies in Chicago and got my actually got my start out of college interning for Oprah. Oh, cool. Okay. How does working in advertising, where you're trying to grub all that money up to working in the public broadcasting field, community service, what, what made you want to switch around there? My, my jobs over the years in advertising were really around production, content creation. So my, my roles kind of all the way through most of my career was producer, executive producer, head of production, overseeing, you know, groups and teams executing content, 
building content. And then obviously, you know, in the last 15 years, the transformation from TV to digital to different digital platforms, social platforms. And then actually my last job at, at the Martin Agency, I was actually chief operating officers because I, I helped also sort of create different business units at the Martin Agency in post-production and animation and some other things. I kind of ha- have a pretty heavy production background with kind of a lot of building, creating teams. Got it. So where did the idea for the great American recipe come about? Who, who cooked it up, as it were? <laughs> well, it, it actually came several years ago. It came as a pitch to PBS. So PBS was pitched this idea from an outside production company. Would that be the Objective Media Group? Well, no, it was no, not the no? Objective okay. Media Group. So it was, um, it, it's sort of a long story. So it was a group called Optimum, which was based in New York, who was part of all three media. And all three media owns the Objective Media Group. So, so they came to PBS. PBS liked the idea they brought it to me to see if we were interested in partnering with them. And uh, Zara Frankel and I worked on it. She's the executive in charge at PBS of this project. She and I developed it with Optimum and then COVID hit. Everything was put on hold. We tried to ramp it up um, one other time and then Optimum went out of business. <laughs> oh, well. So we, we picked it up, continued to develop it. Um, and then all three media asked us if they, could, if they could pitch Objective Media Group to be the production company. We ultimately were going to hire a production company that really specialized in food competition shows. So yeah, so they introduced us to Jilly and some of the folks at at Objective Media Group, and we just hit it off and then jumped in with both feet. I know it was shot in Virginia at Ruther's Glen. Surprise guest drop in. You were there some of the time, and as you probably know from listening to my shows, I often have a special drop-in guest, and we have one. Hold on a second. Let's see who this is. Oh, of course. I know Charles Tinsley. Of course, as always, I watch the credits of everything, and I saw Charles's name, and Charles and I go way back. Actually, Charles and I worked on a show in 1995 with WCVE. It was called then called Class Action. It was a big show with uh, high oh, school wow. and middle school kids. Actually, yep. famous Constance Wu was one of the middle school kids in that show, and Charles worked on that show. So uh, I knew Charles was on this one. I said, Charles, come on. Let me get the skinny on what went on on the shoot. So, Charles, welcome to Sifter. Thank you. Um, Hey, Charles. Glad to be here. Hey, Steve. Good to hear you. Footnote. Charles Tinsley has been a member of the Richmond Production Community for nearly 30 years as a videographer, steady cam operator, and provider of rental production gear. So, tell us, you were in there on the ground pretty much every day of the shooting. What was it like from the camera point of view? Well, um, it ran smoothly. I mean, you always have a startup speed when you're getting going and you're developing your language between all the players, the camera, the sound, and right. and the art, art department. And I guess our department is called of art and uh, food department. We, we do have a funny story, just to give, let everyone know. So we're at um, Ruther's Glen, at the barns at Mattapanai. So Mattapanai Springs is a golf course out there in Ruther's Glen, and they just built these beautiful wedding barns. And the wedding barn we shot in was literally just being done. So we looked at it when it was partially complete and we said, we want to shoot here. And they hustled to get it done for us. So everything was new. All the systems were new. Lo and behold, our first day of shooting, everything and our first cook, everything seemed to be okay. And then all of a sudden the barn seemed to get really hot and the air conditioning system was not working. Oh, great. What time of year was this? This was in September. So it it was hot. And then you've got 10 cooking stations cranking. So People probably didn't notice unless you were, you know, there, but the first episode and the second cook, everybody is sweaty because we couldn't stop. We were in the middle of it. And we're like, we got to just keep going. 
but they were fantastic. The folks at Metap and I were fantastic. They were on it. They had a repairman there, had it figured out. But, you know, obviously it's like anything else. They couldn't get there, you know, within minutes and we had to keep shooting. So it was a little crazy. But as Charles said, you have that in your first couple of days of shooting. Everyone's getting used to everyone. It's and, and we're actually, you know, we were sort of finding the show too, you know, finding the show's voice. That takes a little bit. So, Charles, what did you do all day? Sit there behind the camera. Did you run around from person to person or did you have one spot you were specifically in? We had six camera people. So starting out covering 10 people, you probably cover two stations. Now, they had some people assigned, but they would drop in on one of the contestants and do a mini interview. That person had to duck away to do that. You'd cover their station, things like that. So, yeah, it was controlled madness. But, yeah, it was it was something. And, of course, the way they set it up, it got easier as we went because you have the eliminations. So did you ever get to taste the food or after watching them make it all? Occasionally, if you wanted to taste hot food, you were out of luck. Every dish got prepared and then it went off to be photographed separately by itself, sort of in a, on a turntable and a beauty shot. So occasionally you could you could get something there. So what do you remember most about that? Because I guess it was a pretty long, hard day just sitting there cranking. Did you get breaks to go have lunch or whatever? I assume you must have. We certainly had uh, breaks. The challenge of it was you started, you had a 90-minute cook so that you had were doing camera work for 90 minutes. Now, thankfully, the producers and directors and such knew this, and they would tap your shoulder halfway through and say, take a five-minute break, get some water, take the camera down and such. So, yeah, they were pretty good about that. Anything else you want to uh, tell us from behind the scenes before we get back to uh, the interview with Steve? Funny thing, I guess, at first was we had our director was of Spanish descent and he had a bit of an accent. We were using walkie talkies to communicate, which are not necessarily the highest fidelity means. So occasionally things would get lost. He had his own colloquialisms way of saying things. For example, he would say foot to face. And <laughs> what did he mean by foot to face? Full, full wide shot? Head to toe. I guess to it toe. was in Spanish. I guess foot to face is probably the equivalent. Ah, now, the okay. tricky thing about that is when you're at a station, you don't know if he's saying food to face. Ah. So foot to face and food to face sound a lot alike. So we, we had our uh, little, little tricks of communication, but it was uh, still had fun. Well, thanks for dropping in. It was in. a great space, too. I'll say there. that. They picked a beautiful space and the lighting crew. Was phenomenal. It, it was a great shoot, Charles. It was really great having you there. It was great having a lot of the lo local crew there, local food folks, and you and several others. It was great. Oh, I'm a fan of locals. There you go. Well, it's great having you on here, Charles. And I want to thank you so much for joining us for a little surprise. You bet, man. Thanks, Charles. Great hearing from you. All right. Take care, everybody. Bye bye. Big question I've got for you, Steve. And obviously, there's a million of those food competition shows out there, none of which I've watched, by the way, because I'm not really into those. But how is this show different? How is The Great American Recipe different from all these other shows that are on? Well, again, I think what we are trying to do is find um, a cooking competition show that brought out kind of maybe a little more heart than a lot of them do. A lot of them are pretty, pretty tough on the people. And you've got and you've also got cooks, too. And most of them, people that want to be chefs and are trying to become chefs. So the goal was to, to find really great home chefs, really great home cooks, and to bring their recipes and their stories around those recipes to light. That's really kind of what we were trying to do. And, and as part of that, really just show kind of the beautiful tapestry that, you know, American food cuisine has, you know, from Italian to Mexican to, to Asian foods, and then all the different regional flares that, that come with that, too. 
to really kind of sh- to, to bring those to light. And I got that vibe because, you know, everybody was happy. Everybody was smiling. Even when, well, when they get eliminated, obviously, there's a few moments of sadness. But the little bit I've seen of other reality shows, there's usually a very hard kind of dark edge to it. And this was very bright and was very open, which I think is what you said. So that's good. You achieved that. So speaking of that, how did you find these cooks? We did a casting call and we, we didn't, you know, we kind of did it a little pretty under the radar. We didn't say exactly what it was for, but we sort of did a casting call. We, we did it through the you know normal casting process through a casting agent in, in LA, started putting feelers out there across the country. And then we also used the great network of PBS stations. So we, we put the word out. Once we were able to start talking about the show, we, we put the word out through the stations and then they put the word out kind of through their networks of, of, of people. Oh, wow. So how are they auditioning? Because I've been obviously in auditions before and it's not like, here, read these lines. Well, no, again, what we really wanted to do. So the casting tapes we, we would get back are the people talking about their recipes. They're showing photos of their food. They're talking about the stories. They're so you can see how they work on camera. Exactly. Talking about what those recipes mean to them. Because again, so a lot of this too is we're really trying to find these interesting food stories too that really are meaningful and heartfelt. So it was really one of the more complex kind of casting grids we, I've ever tried to achieve where you need a great cook, people from all different parts of the country, you know, that have great re- recipes, great stories, good on camera, uh, and are nice people. <laughs> And we're trying to find people that didn't want just to have their, um, you know, we didn't want social media influencers who were just trying to get famous. We wanted people that truly cared about what they were cooking and cared about, you know, being authentic to those recipes and in, in, in the show. So, I mean, there are people from North Carolina, Maryland, Kentucky, Oregon, California, California, Rhode Island, Minnesota, and Idaho. Nobody from Texas, which is surprising because there's some, of course, you had barbecue in there. Nobody from Texas and nobody from Florida or some of those other southern states. Was that just couldn't find them or they just went the right well, ones? You know, like anything else, there's 10 people. We are trying to get a, a, a varied group of ages, ethnicities, you know, different kinds of food. So, again, the, the grid was complex and, and, you know, but I'm sure, I'm, you know, we're, we're hopeful that there might be a season two. And if so, I wouldn't be surprised if some of those more populous states that, uh, that we end up seeing some some contestants there. The hard part about our show, though, is it really is tough on the barbecue thing because those barbecues can take, you know, overnight cooks and things like that is really going to be hard for the kind of the kind of competition we have. So. Uh, good point. Uh, so how did you find those judges? I mean, you know, a lot of judges have got restaurants and they've got their business to it. How, how did you get them to come on the show? And then how long were they actually committed to be there? Um, we, we had about a three-week uh, shooting schedule. You know, we shot, I guess, last fall. So um, a year a year ago, so it wow. was still COVID was still going strong. So I think we we quarantined for a bit. We I think the contestants had to quarantine for a week before they got there, and the judges the, the same. So that was probably four weeks for the judges. You know, again through the typical, you know, we we look through people that have been on other competitions. These judges have been on other things. Tiffany Derry has judged competitions and been in some of these shows. Graham Elliott is a a famous judge and has a restaurant. Leah Cohen was fairly new. Um, She hadn't judged anything before. She'd been on one other competition and then has a restaurant in New York. And Alejandra Ramos is um, someone who's on the Today Show. She does cooking segments for the Today Show. So that's how we spotted her. This might be a tacky question. You might not be able to answer it, but do the judges get paid to come in because they're having to leave work for three weeks, essentially? Oh, yeah. It's like any job. It, it, it's it's a job that we're hiring them to do to be judges for the show. So, Did you ever get to eat any of the food or were you just never? You know what? Because of COVID, I mean, I was told in, in the past, everybody eats the food like crazy, but because right. of COVID, there were 
quite a few restrictions. So we really didn't get to eat the food. Well, you mentioned COVID already. I was going to ask you about that, but that kind of, yeah, that, I mean, you know, if, if you saw that great Julia Child series, that was just on a couple of months ago, you know, oh, yeah. they were all diving into the food oh, as yeah. soon as the show was over. But yeah. But, so you said it was three weeks, roughly. How much time do they actually spend? Because everybody thinks this thing, you know, they look at it and say, oh, this all happens in 90 minutes. And of course it doesn't. So how much time does actually each show take to shoot start to finish well each each episode is about a day so but 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 it's hard to say because we would typically shoot two cooks a day we would do an hour-long cook for the beginning for the beginning competition you mean cooking like, session you don't mean cooks. cooking session yeah right, right okay. so we do an hour-long cooking session at the beginning of the show and then an hour and a half at the end of the show which would be, would be an elimination round we would do one of those in, in a day and then we'd also have, have interview days. So you'd have days where you're just doing people, interviewing people, talking about what happened, what's going to happen. So you had some days where those things were happening. And then the, the opening show and the finale show took two days to shoot. So we took more time on those, on those days. As Charles was saying, when we started the show with 10 chefs, it was a lot to shoot. He said we had six cameras yeah. trying, to, trying to cover 10 cooking stations. It was a lot. So that's why the, open, the first show... We did one of the cooking competitions in one day and the second cooking competition on the second day because there was so much to cover. So how much do the chefs know going into it? Because obviously they have to have these ingredients because they know they're going to be cooking this or that. Do they know all the recipes they're going to be challenged with or how does it work? The chefs give us 20 recipes. So they basically give us 20 recipes at the beginning. And we work with them a little bit to, to kind of make sure the recipes seem like they're up to snuff our food folks do. So they have 20 recipes ready to go. And then when the challenge comes on, they're, they're having to figure out what recipe they throw in. Okay. And I guess there's somewhere else, there's a big refrigerated barn somewhere or something, because there was a lot of meat and a lot of food there that they've got oh, to keep. Oh yeah. We, we actually had a whole nother barn that was all food. Well, we had a whole nother barn that was food prep. So food that was good. And then we had a whole tent that was a washing station where all the dishes, it was amazing. The, the, the amount of people, when you've got 10 cooking stations and people are cooking for an hour and a half, how dirty everything gets. <laughs> yeah. so they have the finished plates, you're all, they're all done. And then the food, the culinary team comes in and boom, in 10 minutes, everything's clean. And they're oh, ready wow. to show those perfect plates to shoot the presentation to the judges. So it's, it's an amazing coordinated thing. And off camera, uh, outside the building, we had a huge tent where all the dishes get washed. That must've been a fun job. <laughs> yeah, yeah it, it, was imp- it was impressive. Very, it really was. I know in these competition shows, they send people home, quote unquote, but they don't actually leave because until the show is finished, they kind of have to stay there in case they want to bring them back or in case, so they can't tell anybody. Is that how that worked? Or once they were eliminated, were they sent away? They weren't sent away that second because you always have a post interview and talk to them afterwards. Right. So I think they're, they, they all stuck around for a day or two after, and then, and then they, then they went home. Cause to be honest with you, the people that are on the show, people that work on the show, people know who won. So everyone's everyone's bound to their agreement to not talk about the show. So, um, so the contestants, whether they're on set or going home, they're not supposed to talk about when they got eliminated or, or or anything. So, so when people are doing what they call the testimonials or the confessionals, it's interesting because they always talk in the present tense, even though they're doing it, like you mentioned a day later, what's the philosophy behind that? You know, I I think they talk about in the present tense because the viewers seeing it in the present tense. So it's just easier to kind of make it all make sense for, for the viewer. Right. It really is it's for the viewer. So that's interesting. So were you ever involved in any of the interviews? Did you have to coach them? Do they keep saying, well, I did this. Oh, no, no, I'm doing this. Did they, was it a challenge? You know um, we were there for, for all, for all the interviews and, and we had, you know, really good 
producers working with them, asking questions. And we, we talked about stuff and th- there were definitely times when you had said, you know what, say that again, but say it this way. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. So say that exact same thing, but say it in the present tense, not in the past tense. Exactly. And obviously the show is already airing and then it's also available streaming now, like everybody else on uh, the PBS website, correct? Yep. It's available on the, the PBS app, which is free. So any kind of app you have like on your Roku or Apple TV, you can put up your little PBS app. It's free there. Um, it'll be free, I think, for at least six months before it goes behind some sort of PBS paywall. Oh, okay. PBS's streaming service is called Passport which is only $60 a year. A lot of PBS stuff is free for a while. So it's free for a while on the PBS app, or you can go to vpm.org and watch it as well. Uh-huh. Great, great. So you mentioned a second season. What's next? When will that be decided? And how do they even determine viewership? Yeah, well, there's still ratings because the show is on Friday nights at, at, at nine. So we are, we are looking at it and trying to figure out quickly... Uh, you know, in, in a perfect world, if we do a second season, we'd like to figure it out quickly so we can keep a, a decent cadence. So we're, we're, tr- we're trying to make that determination quickly. So I know there's also a cookbook involved in the show. How did that develop? Was that part of the show from the beginning? That was always sort of part of the show from the beginning, that that would be the prize for the winner, that they would be on the cover. Their food would be on the cover of a cookbook. So we, we devised that at the beginning, and then it was sort of left <laughs> up to me to figure out how to execute it, which I've never made. A, I've never published a cookbook before. So that was my first time doing that, which was fun and exciting. And and actually, we used a local food photographer and food stylist, Fred and Elliot, who were fantastic. And they actually worked on, on the TV show as well. Elliot was one of the main food stylists for the TV show. And then Fred did a lot of the photos behind the scenes. And then after the, after we were done shooting the, the TV series, two, three weeks later, I went into their studio and we shot, we, we took recipes from the contestants and the judges, pared it down to about 100 recipes. And then they went in and recreated those recipes and shot them cookbook style. Wow. Wow. So the cookbook is, is available at, at vpm.org backslash store. I'll have a link on the website. So Oh, you will? Yeah, okay. I'll have a link up there to it. Now you mentioned food stylist. I know that the cooks were all responsible for presenting, for plating their food for the judges. Did the stylist ever get involved in any of that? Or was that just after everything was done? No, it was truly them plating it and, and getting it ready for camera. And then uh, as, as uh, Charles said, the cooks would make six dishes. Four of them were for the judges right. and the host to try. One of them was uh, just a backup. And then the other one was the one that we would go and shoot on a turntable. So we would shoot it in situation exactly how they plated it. So it was really up to them. And how much do the judges actually eat? Because that's a lot of eating in one day. Yeah, they, they try They try everything. You they know? just try it, but they eat like yeah. one or two bites, right? Yeah, it's typically one or two bites. Yeah. Last question. Always like to ask this. What are you... Steve Humble watching when you have time to sit down and not watch something you made. Well, I just got done watching The Offer. That was amazing, wasn't it? Which was amazing on on the making of The Godfather. It was incredible. I I, I was blown away. I I had no idea at the story behind the making of The Godfather film. Um, It was truly an amazing series. Really really was. I gave that five stars. Yeah, I think the performances were incredible. The stories, yeah, like all these things. Who knew all this was going on behind the scenes? Yeah, exactly. I can't wait to watch um, The Kid Stays in the Picture, which is the documentary about- um, Robert Towns. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Uh, Is that new? I thought that, I mean, Bob Evans, right, right. Bob Evans. No, The Kid Stays in the Picture has been out for a long time. I thought so, yeah. I remember remember it coming out and I never saw it for some reason, but but now I can't wait to see it. Everybody in that was amazing. I'll tell you another one that I really loved is called Pistol. 
That's Danny Boyle. Oh, yeah. You know who that is, right? Oh, Danny yeah. Boyle. I think it's on uh, maybe Hulu. It's Danny Boyle's look at the creation of the Sex Pistols. It's a six-part series on the oh, Sex I Pistols. Oh, I have heard of that. Yeah. yeah, it's really great. Oh, uh, wow. I can't wait I'll to I'll leave that, that out because that's a lot of fun, too. So uh, is there anything else you want to mention that uh, that you're watching? Or is that – if you, now that you finished it, you got to find something else. Yeah, exactly. That that's Well, you know, the other thing I'm watching is Hacks. That's I finished both seasons of that already. Okay, I'm I'm on I'm on season two of that. So so that's another one that I've I've found and it was just like oh my gosh, the performances are so so great. Oh yeah, yeah, great, great. All right, well, this has been exciting. I enjoyed my brownie. Sorry you couldn't share it with me. I want to thank you so much for joining me today and talking about the Great American Recipe. Thanks a lot. Great joining you. Thanks, Jerry. The Great American Recipe, a new cooking competition coming this June only on PBS. By the way, that brownie I was enjoying was not a cannabis brownie. And I was talking with Steve Humble, the Chief Content Officer at VPM. We talked about their new cooking competition, The Great American Recipe, which was shot in Ruther Glen, Virginia. You can catch the show live Friday nights at 9 on VPM or streaming at VPM or the PBS website. Links are on the TV Jerry webpage for this show. Coming soon. In theaters. Nope. The latest thriller from Jordan Peele centers around horses and a farm and some more mysterious stuff. Marcel the Shell with Shoes On. The adorable little internet shell guy comes to the big screen. Both Sides of the Blade. The latest from Claire Denis stars Juliette Binoche, whose life gets complicated when she becomes involved in a three-way. TV and streaming. American Horror Stories drops on FX for a second season. This is Ryan Murphy's series featuring an anthology of new self-contained stories. The Last Movie Stars on HBO celebrates the careers of Paul Newman and Joanne Woodward. Also on HBO, Rap Shit, about a female rap group from Miami trying to make it. On the 22nd, on Amazon, is Anything's Possible, a high school rom-com with a trans girl in the lead, and the first directorial effort from Billy Porter. The third season of Blown Away on Netflix, this is a reality show featuring glass artists. Next week, I promise that Richmond couple who made a movie and now live in L.A. will be joining me. This is Jerry Williams. Thanks for listening. For more Sister, including literally thousands Thousands of reviews, reviews, visit tvjerry.com. That's a wrap.